This is Shannon Ray Davis, and you are listening to Omega Man Radio. Welcome to my world, the world of the Omega Man. Join us here for the nightly marathon, broadcasting Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern. You can find us here on YouTube, and we encourage you to report for duty. Get trained up. War on the Saints is coming. You want to be an overcomer and endure till the end. We will teach you how. We cast out devils. We command healing to the sick in Jesus' name. And we preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ to win souls for Jesus. I want to encourage you right now to subscribe right here on YouTube to this channel. Smash the like button and share a link to our live chat room to everyone you know right there on Facebook. Get them to come on out and tune in and join in the fight against the host of hell. If you'd like to support this work financially, we have a PayPal button on our website. We have GoFundMe, Zelly, even Take Bitcoin. And we thank you in advance for partnering with us. Our website is OmegaManRadio.com. One more thing before we start tonight's show. To the demons, tune again. We're coming for you, demon. No demon is safe. Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon, and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. excited to bring back to you the prayer walker Hank Groover and uh, it's been many months since we've had brother Hank on so I'm excited to get some updates on what he's been up to and uh, you will be too call someone right now and tune in brother Hank do you want to open us up in prayer 
Yes, hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we come before your throne room of grace. We thank you for your your kindness and your goodness towards us and towards the lost. And Lord, we just want to commit this time to you. We repent of any sin in our lives, known or unknown. Lord, we don't want it to hinder our, our prayers and our, our time with you. So, Lord Jesus, we just ask that your Holy Spirit will guide us and direct us. And we invite you into not only this place, but into all the the rooms and listeners' homes that are tuning in this evening and in the future to listen to these shows. So, Lord, we thank you. We ask you'll bless Brother Shannon and his his work and all he does with this ministry. Lord, we thank you for him and what he's doing. And, Lord, we just ask that you would bless him mightily and keep him safe and his family. And we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother, I just looked at my uh, Skype I think the last time we had you on was 10 months ago. What the heck happened? Where's the time gone? I know. I think it was August, wasn't it? Of course, I just took off two months to work on a special A.A. Allen project. But um, <laughs> Really? So that means eight months. But, um, man, I tell you, boom, it's just been a blur. And uh, I know a lot's been going on in your life as it has in mine. Since we did our last program, I had my third child here. Oh, and, my goodness. Uh, Congratulations. Also have a new baby dog, a Bazinji. <laughs> and um, our family has really grown. So uh, wow. we're, we're excited to be here tonight, folks, again, with Hank Groover. And uh, without any further delay, Brother Hank, take the mic and run with it. The mic is yours. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wow, yeah, it's been, uh, feels like a very long time since we were together last. I think it was August of last year. And, um, yeah, so many things have happened since then. But um, really, the majority of the things have happened just this um, this year. So, um, when we were speaking last time, I had just gotten back from Guatemala, and we had just seen awesome things happening there. And then I had to get back into business mode and, and keep the, the business running, and my heart was just, was not in the business whatsoever. It had been shifting for the last few years since my dad passed away. And I've just been crying out to God, what, what's my responsibility? How, how can we get out of this business, the construction business that we're in? Um, my heart's not in it, and I want to be in full-time ministry. And so I would just go to work and cry out to him, God, I can't do both. I can't do both. I don't want to try and do both. I need you to, to intervene and and take the reins and and do something because it's just killing me not only spiritually but physically also trying to trying to do both things and burning the candle at both ends as my dad used to say <laughs> um so it was really interesting we we hired a, a salesperson back in uh early september of last year and i thought that that might be the answer to getting me out of the day-to-day -day operations and get somebody in there that could run the business. And he's a, a Christian brother, and um, it seemed like this was what God was doing. And um, so we started working together, and but we I quickly realized that he wasn't experienced enough to take over the business completely. And I just did not want to be stuck in this thing for the next, you know, X amount of years. And it was really interesting time because we were just flourishing. I mean, the business was 
sales were were up. We didn't have to advertise. Um, the phone rang with very little, you know, knocking on doors and advertising. And we had a big enough presence and been around long enough to just answer the phone and handpick the the jobs we want. So there wasn't much effort put in into that respect. But once a job was sold, I would have to do everything from start to finish. And it was just wearing on me. So it was end of October, early November, and I was driving into work and just talking with God, probably more complaining than praying, and to be honest, but uh, just telling God I can't do both. I'm burnt out. I don't want to try and do both. What is what is the option here? What what are you doing? And and I I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to stop selling jobs. And I had two sales guys that were working for me, and um, office employee, my sister, and then a couple different helpers and employees and things like that, and subcontractors. And I felt the Holy Spirit saying, just just tell the guys that, hey, we're too far behind. The supply chain issues are, are a mess, so stop selling jobs. And I just felt the peace of God flood me when, when he spoke that. So I went into the office, and I, I told the first sales guy. And, and he's, he's a, a, a Christian, but he's not like a firm Christian. And I told him, and he's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. You don't have to worry about me. You know, I'll, I'll be fine. And he said those words, and it's just like, whoa, okay, thank you. Because being the owner and, and the boss, there's there's so much pressure on your shoulders, and and you want to help people. You want to provide a good living and, and things like that. So the last thing you want to do is go in and lay people off or tell them you're shutting the doors. But so he, his words were basically, don't worry about me. I'll be fine. I'm like, wow, thank you. And then I went and talked to the next salesperson that we'd just hired two months prior to this. And he is a good Christian brother. And I'm like, look, man, we're, we're so far behind. I'm just, I see no light at the end of the tunnel. We, we've got to stop selling jobs. And he looks at me and he's like, I'm excited. That's wonderful. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, did you hear me correctly? <laughs> he's like, don't worry about me. God is my provider. I'll be just fine. And so he spoke the same words within like 20, 30 minutes of the other salesperson. And so the next person I spoke with was my sister who runs the, the office. And I tell her and, and she's excited beyond belief. She's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so happy. This is wonderful. And I'm like, you realize you're going to be out of a job. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, Hank, this is, I know this is your calling and I'm excited for you. I'm excited to see what God's going to do. Like, wow. So the final person to call was my wife and, and she's been telling me to do this for at least a year and a half, if not two years. She just said, shut the business down, close the doors, liquidate. And, and I couldn't accept that because of the amount of time I'd poured into this business and I kept telling myself that, well, it's 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 got equity, it's got um, assets. It, why can't we just sell it? Why can't God just send a buyer? And I get so upset with her when she said, "Just liquidate and and be done with it." But 
my flesh was telling me, you know, you built this, you poured your heart and soul into this, you missed part of your family's upbringing, this and that. And, and so when the Holy Spirit spoke those words to me, it, it just, wow, it was so simple. But like I said, my wife's been talking to me about this for, for a long time. And so I, I call her up. I'm like, hey, are you sitting down? She's like, well, I'm driving into Logan or into the office. So, yeah, I'm sitting. <laughs> I said, well, here's what God spoke to me, and here's what I've already talked with everybody. And so I, I believe we're, we're, we're shutting it down. And she was kind of silent for a little bit, but she's like, oh, okay, sounds good. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean sounds good? I mean, it just you've been telling me to do this for two years. Why aren't you more excited? Yeah, I knew it would come. I mean, that's not exact words, but essentially, I I knew it would happen. So once I had spoken with everybody and made that decision, the the weight was lifted off my shoulders like I've never experienced before. Word of God talks about cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And once... Once I made that decision, finally made that decision, and acted on it in faith, I felt so light. I was almost like I was floating, and I've never experienced that before. I've, I've heard of people talking about, you know, when, when a burden's been lifted that they feel light, and, but yeah, I experienced that, and it was, it was so amazing to feel that heavy burden lifted off my shoulders and and God just took it. So that was the first part of November. We stopped selling jobs. We're still um, installing a few jobs from back in the fall that we had sold before we made that decision. Um, it's just crazy that the amount of time it's taking to get products in and, and the back orders and everything else. Um, so COVID has made this decision real easy for us and it's a easy way to, to bring it up with customers and people that are inquiring, you know, why, what are you doing closing your doors? And so I'm grateful that God's doing that. And wow, we are just so excited because there's, there's finally light at the end of the tunnel before it was, you sell jobs to make it through the winter. You hope you don't have to borrow from your line of credit. Um, just so many different things. You you continue to get in debt in the winter months to keep everybody afloat, and it's just a vicious cycle. So God is just doing amazing things. Over the last couple of years, we've been able to pay off a significant amount of debt in the business. Uh, one of my th- deals with God was I'm not going to file bankruptcy to enter the ministry and I'm not going to use ministry funds to get out of business debt. And watching what God's doing in the last two years has been nothing short of miraculous. Um, hundreds of thousands of dollars are being paid off and we're going to be able to basically um, exit out of this business with no debt and probably a little, little bit of extra money from selling different assets and and things like that. So, wow, look what the Lord has done. It just, it, it truly felt impossible two years ago. I mean, it was so much money in debt, 
and you had to keep selling jobs to pay for the debt and the, the credit cards and everything else. And um, what God's doing is just nothing short of miraculous. Um, so, we are so excited about that. Um, now, moving on to ministry, I hadn't had any trips from um, last summer through the first part of the year to anywhere. And Guatemala had, um, I was planning on going there in, in January, but in mid to late December, the Guatemalan government came out with a mandate that you had to be vaccinated to enter their country. And um, not vaccinated, and I don't have any desire to be vaccinated. So, it was really distressing when I when I read that. And just, it, it hurt because my heart, I knew I wanted to be there, but I did not want to compromise and get vaccinated to to do that. So I, I just prayed about it more and more and put it in God's hands. And I felt that it wouldn't last because there's a lot of people that don't agree with the vaccine mandate, especially missionaries and, and people that are going to Guatemala. You know, they don't have a high tourist population, but they have a, a large mission missionary population. And so I knew once that was kind of cut off that it would probably put pressure on the government. At least that's what I felt. And sure enough, it did. So they rescinded that vaccine mandate, I think, late um, late February or late January, mid-February, something like that. And then, praise God, it was it was time to get geared up for a trip. So we we were praying about myself, my wife, and then um, my pastor and another friend going to Guatemala. And it it looked like it was gonna happen, but then literally the the week before we were gonna go, my mother-in-law had ended up in the hospital with a surgery and then um, my pastor had hurt his his foot and he didn't feel he could walk and pray and, and do anything very vigorous so it wasn't a good thing for him and then his friend the other friend didn't work out with his schedule so um, it ended up just being myself and I booked the tickets for uh, the 21st of March and we returned on the, the 31st so just a couple about 10 days ago, or actually a week ago, we got back. Um, awesome trip. Just amazing trip. The Each trip has had its kind of theme to it. The first one was, I would say, look what the Lord has done, because it was just miracle after miracle, just amazing. The second one in June was, this type only comes out by prayer and fasting, so it was, it was a lot of deliverance and seeing people delivered and, and demons cast out, and that was amazing. And then this trip, it was um, remitting sins, and God had been kind of just showing me different things about remitting sins, and it, it was so powerful with what he did and, and showed me about remitting sins and prayer walking. So, <clears throat> I want to share a little bit about that. And 
we'll kind of get into a little bit of the teaching on walking and praying and remitting sins this evening and and possibly have to finish it up another show. But so yeah, I want to start out with a, a dream God gave me. And this was I want to say early February of this year. And this dream just it really shook me. It was a really powerful dream. Um, so the dream was February second. And so in this dream, I'm I'm in a it looked like a European city. And I'm in this European city, I'm with my dad. So I and we we're kind of downtown area. The reason I say European is because there are older buildings and um almost cobblestone streets, things like that. But there was new and old mixed in with this this city we were in. Um, me and my dad were together. And we were, we were out and about, but I knew our family was back home at the, the lodging. And the lodging was kind of in the a basement slash bunker of this, this older building. Really unique situation. So I knew my family... And my brothers and sisters and different family members were were back at the house. But me and my dad were out walking around, and we were in this this older city, part of this city, wherever it was. And there was complete chaos all around us. People were just running around. You could see the fear in their in their eyes. And I made a comment to my dad that this this feels like this is the end of. The world, or there's, you know, a great um, tribulation or war coming or something, because the people were um, going to the the grocery store and they were just rushing the grocery store and and buying everything on the shelves and and complete pandemonium. And so I told my dad in the dream, I'm like, Dad, we should probably go to the grocery store and get what we can, and then bring it back to the the place, the lodging. And so it. My dad didn't say speak any words in this entire dream, but he just kind of when I said that to him, it was like, okay, we're we're walking into the grocery store. Now, when I looked over at the grocery store, there was this massive line leading out of the grocery store, so people were were lined up to get in. And we got to the grocery store, which was 50 yards away at best, and all of a sudden the line is gone and we're inside. And I'm like, wow, praise God. He, he just opened the door right for us. And so we grab a cart and we're, we're going through the, sh- the aisles and the shelves are, are, are bare and empty and there's not much. So we get a few necessities and, and we're leaving the grocery store. And so we check out and we, we start walking with our bags and we're, we're going to the place of the lodging. And, I noticed that there's this group, this gang following us. And I'm looking at my dad and I'm looking at them. And I say, Dad, they're following us. We need to get out of here. We need to start running. And next thing I know, we're running. Me and my dad are running together. And I'm looking back and they're getting closer and closer. And and I know they're trying to, they're going to, you know, kill us if they catch us. And I'm like, Dad, we got to go. We got to go. I'm I'm running as fast as I can. And one point in the dream, my dad's right next to me. And then I look over, and he's not next to me anymore. I stop, and I look back, and he's just standing there. 
And so I run to him. I'm like, Dad, we got to go. We got to go. They're going to kill us. They're going to hurt us. And while I'm pleading with him, they begin to surround us. And this gang of people surrounds us in the stream. And I'm like, Dad, let's just give him the groceries and the money and, and see if we can get out of here safely. And he doesn't say anything. And I'm looking at these people. And, and I know they're going to kill us. I know they're going to hurt us. And I'm getting really scared and just like getting ready to defend myself. I'm reaching for my wallet. And I look over at my dad. And he's not saying anything. He's just looking at these people intently. And right at that moment, the Holy Spirit says he's remitting their sins. I look at him, I say, you're remitting their sins. And so I start to pray for these people. I look at the who I think is the leader, and I just look them in the eyes, and I begin to remit their sins. And I'm just praying in my mind, that's it. And just like my dad shared in so many testimonies, when his life was in danger, the person kind of drops the knife or whatever weapon, and they ask him, what are you doing? And that happened in this dream. I'm looking at this person, and I'm just remitting their sins in, their, in my mind. And they look at me, and they ask, what are you doing? And I begin to tell them, I'm praying for you. And, they, and the conversation, like, why would you pray for us? What do you mean? And, and we end up leading them to Jesus. <laughs> and then the next thing I know, we're, we're walking back to our to the lodging place and the dream ends. But that I woke up from that dream like it was real. I didn't wake up the next morning. I woke up and my heart was racing. I'm like, wow, God, wow. This is so real. This is so real. This is something that God desires his people to do. He desires his people to remit sins, to not hold it personally, to not retain that sin. And in the dream, it was so real. I mean, we're surrounded by that gang and I'm looking at these, looking at these people and I'm thinking, oh man, this is going to be, this is going to be the end. I'm going to defend myself. And I look at my dad and he's not doing anything. He's not saying anything. And I say to myself, he's remitting their sins. He's remitting their sins. And so, I begin to start remitting their sins. And so, that was so powerful. I mean, it just woke up from that dream and it just shook me. Well, like I said, that was February 2nd. Um, we we go to – we I the other amazing thing about this trip to Guatemala is um, I began just – I began going through an old email that my my dad's ministry has, and this email goes back like 10 years. And so, I'm sifting through thousands of emails trying to get rid of the junk emails and and whatever other ones. And, and I came across, I think it was three people that, two for sure that were in Guatemala, and then a third one that talked about um, translating my dad's book into Spanish. But so, two people that were in Guatemala that reached out to my dad, and one of them he sent a prayer walking book to, and the other one I can't remember if they were um, still there or not. So, I reach out to the guy that 
um, his name is Wally. I forget his last name. I reach out to him and I say, Hey, um, I know my parents talked to you a long, or my sister, whoever talked to you a long time ago, but God opened a door for me to Guatemala. Are you still there? And he emails me back. Yes, he's there. He married a Guatemalan woman and, and so forth. But so I, I find these connections from my dad about people in Guatemala trying to, you know, just talk to him and get his input on walking and praying and, and possibly get him to Guatemala. <laughs> like, wow. And then I'm listening to, I'm looking up other persons and um, I come across a podcast or a, a show that you had done quite a while ago. And that man was in Guatemala for quite a while. I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, um, Norman Parrish? Yes, Norman Parrish. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I started listening to his um, show with you. That was amazing. So that was episode 441. Wow. <laughs> that was like 9,000 shows ago. <laughs> like, wow. Um, that man is just full of the the power of God. But do you know that he mentions remitting sins in that show with you? Wow. Norman Parrish. I had never heard remitting sins with anybody else. He 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 briefly talks about it. I'm like, wow, and he's in Guatemala. <laughs> like, good Lord, what are you doing? This is amazing. So I have that dream, then I hear about Norman Parrish and his exploits in Guatemala and then remitting sins and like, okay, God, this is, this is real. I, I know it's real. And it's the thing he's doing is he's making it real to me instead of real through my dad. And I think that's a lot of the, the disconnect with people that, that loved my dad and followed his ministry is um, they felt like it, it couldn't be real with them. So they could live it through my dad, but to have it for themselves and these type of testimonies and remit, remit people's sins, it's like, eh, I could probably do it, but um, I'm just going to leave it to Henry Gruber. And <laughs> and that's kind of how we felt growing up. It was, yeah, we will remit people's sins, but it's not something that we we do daily. And my dad practiced it daily, and and so many amazing miracles and testimonies came from that because he practiced it and he did not retain people's sin. And that's the, the, the that is the absolute key to remitting sins is John 2023, 20, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. So if we're not remitting them, if we're not sending them to the Father and we see sin, we're retaining it. And anytime you retain sin, it just destroys you. It absolutely destroys you. So, um, I'm gearing up to go to Guatemala, and I had the privilege to to preach. Um, I think it was about a week, two weeks before I went to Guatemala, and I, I preached at my church, and they were doing sermons on spiritual discipline, and so I, I was able to preach on prayer and fasting. And um, it, was, it was perfect timing because I knew I needed to fast before I go to Guatemala. So, it's pretty easy to fast when, you're, when you know you're going to be preaching. Not easy, but it's easier, I should say. So, I'm 
I'm preaching on prayer and fasting. I'm fasting and praying for this upcoming trip. And it was after I was done preaching, the enemy was coming in and, and just like, oh, that fell on deaf ears. <laughs> they did not get what you were saying. Um, yeah, good job on that one, basically. And so I kind of ended this the sermon or I ended the sermon and sat down and everything, and and the enemy's just attacking me. Yeah, you, you, that one's that one fell through the cracks or whatever. And so I'm starting to believe him and not getting discouraged, but just kind of, huh, well, Lord, you know, maybe, <clears throat> maybe I, yeah, whatever. So a couple days go by, and then I start hearing testimonies of of people that not only really liked the message, but they're starting to fast and pray. And from that message, I, I think I heard of five people that actually committed to fasting and praying. And and most of them did it for two to two to three days. I don't know if somebody did five-day fast. But I'm hearing from people in our church that were fasting and praying because they were challenged from that. And that was so awesome to hear. You know, the Word of God says His Word will not return void it will accomplish what it was sent out to do, and and the enemy will come in and try and discourage you and and get you off track. But we have to just put it in God's hands. And I, I really love how my dad was able to do that over the years because he, he'd come under attack for this message about remitting sins so often. And he would just state his case. And you couldn't sway him from what he knew about remitting sins. You couldn't sway him. He had experienced so much of it. He had seen it and experienced it. You were not going to be able to convince him through a couple um, Bible verses that you felt didn't agree with it or whatever form that you're going to attack him with it. But he, he would handle it gracefully and probably just remitting their sins, honestly, <laughs> which is probably the best thing to do, just remit their sins as they're attacking you. Um, yeah, that's good revelation right there. So, um, God's Word, like I said, it's not going to return void. Don't don't believe the enemy when he comes in and tells you that, you know, that missed the mark or fell on deaf ears. No. Even if it one person got something out of it, Praise God, because you never know what that one person's going to do with that word. How they're gonna, if they're going to run with it, and it'll revolutionize their life and family's life. So we we booked our tickets, like I said, for March twenty um, first, and and we were getting ready to. I was getting ready to fly out, and I had heard from two different missionaries. That's the other thing that um, I've met um, a handful of missionaries now that are in Guatemala, and a um, couple of them are like in Omaha area. That's their home base, like 30 minutes, 40 minutes from us here. It's just, wow, God, wow. <laughs> but I'd heard from these two missionaries before I went. One of them said, um, I heard you're going back to Guatemala. Did you get vaccinated or whatnot? And I'm like, no. It's like, how are you getting in? Um we haven't heard that anything has changed here. And so I sent them a, a screenshot of the the website that was saying that they rescinded the orders. And then another one said, we had some missionary friends that were coming over the border by vehicle, I'm guessing from Mexico. 
and they turned them away because they weren't vaccinated. They still had um, the negative test, but they turned them away. And so this was like literally three, four days before we're supposed to leave. And uh, so the enemy was coming in and just saying, yeah, you're going to get stuck at the airport in Guatemala. They're not going to let you in, this and that. And, it, you know, it was just one of those things. I, I followed the peace of God and just did what I knew I, I needed to do in the natural but then left it all the rest of it in the spiritual realm for for God to handle. And we so we flew in and we got to the the checkpoint at the airport. They look at the piece of paper for like 2 seconds. Okay, go. <laughs> and it just amazes me that God's favor or these people a vaccination card to them in English it really doesn't mean much. <laughs> they're they're not going to be able to decipher it and and tell you know what's real and what's not real because they're all different. So, Lord knows in the future if if this is something that was to continue on and um, God's got an easy way around it all. So, so we made it in the country. Um, Hector and his wife Minga came with me again. We rented a car and we drove. Um, from the airport to uh, the village. And we we had a – it's a difficult drive, like I've shared before, going from Guatemala City to their village. It, it's, it's like under 150 miles, but it takes 12 to 14 hours because their roads are so bad in traffic. So we – we found a little different route, and um, we took a different route, and it, it was a lot better, but we got mixed up and lost a couple hours because we took a wrong turn. But regardless, we we met with some missionaries right when we arrived and had lunch with them, and these were this missionary lady's been there for 20 or 25 years, and she she is right from Omaha, Nebraska. Like I said, that's 30, 40 minutes from us right here in Logan. So it was awesome meeting with her. She runs a home for um, persons, adults with um, mental disabilities and just a precious soul. It was awesome to meet with her. She had a couple, an older couple that was visiting and helping her. They're from Red Oak, Iowa, which is like less than two hours south of us here in in. Um, Logan, Iowa, where, where our home base is. <laughs> so we're we're meeting with three persons that are from America that live within a couple hours of us here. It's just wow, God, wow. Uh, we had pre- precious fellowship with them, and then we went and we met with another missionary um, that has a home for boys that are involved in drug and alcohol abuse and this this brother's got an amazing ministry um he takes kids off the streets basically and and works with them to rehabilitate them and and get them back on track precious precious brother precious ministry um god's just doing awesome things with him so after that we drove and made it to the village and met with pastor juan and um just awesome things. Awesome things are happening 
awesome things are happening in Guatemala still. God is continuing to work. He's continuing to move. Um, like I said, when I started this this show off, this trip was revolved around re- remitting sins. And we, uh, I, I, I knew we wanted to walk and pray more. But I didn't know, we didn't have anything scheduled. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to go to this spot or this spot. It was just, you know, whatever God does. And, and God moved very quickly. We we knew our mission within a couple days. And part of the mission was for Daniel. He's an 11-year-old boy. And Daniel, um, Daniel got sick. So his parents did what a lot of parents do in Guatemala. They take him to a spiritual spiritual list, whatever you want to call them. We call them witch doctors, but they don't call them witch doctors there. They don't know that they're witch doctors. They took him to this, this lady that's not too far from their home, and supposedly she has powers to pray for people and, and help them get healed. Well, she did some really weird chants and um, different things with that poor boy. I think at one point they put him in a circle with candles around him and just just sheer witchcraft. Um, but at one point she 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 spit on the boy and and these witch doctors they they have power in their their spit and they do a little they don't you know hack loogie on somebody but they just kind of spit a little bit out. Well, she spit on this boy's neck, and this was two years ago, and I don't know how much longer after that, but this this 11-year-old boy, he was nine years old at that time, began to form a, a large mass on his neck on both sides, and now he has at least a softball size mass goiter or tumor or something on the left side of his neck, and then probably a little smaller than a baseball size on the right side of his neck. So Daniel, Pastor Juan has been praying with Daniel for um, a few months, I believe now. And he took us to to visit Daniel. And seeing that and hearing the background, the story, just, it shakes you. I mean, it really shakes you. It, it hurts. You hurt for that that precious child. I mean, your heart aches for him. Um, so, I mean, we prayed and we prayed for him. We're believing that God is going to do a miracle and, and, and reverse that curse. That was kind of the word. Another word the Lord was giving me was reverse the curse, reverse the curse. I know it's a curse. There's no question about it, but I'm just asking God to reverse that curse, put it back on the person that, that sent the curse and may it cause them to to repent and drop to their knees. But we're, we're praying for Daniel, and um, we oh, it was so precious to to meet with that kid. He, he's just he's so humble. Every time Pastor Juan goes over there, um, Daniel's in tears. But lately, Pastor Juan has been saying, "Hey, you're going to be preaching with me." And Daniel's response, as of lately, has been, "You promise me. You promise me that I'll be preaching with you." And and Pastor Juan says, "Yes, I you know I, I promise everything in my power, and I'm believing God will heal you. But yeah, when you're healed, you'll be preaching with me." And 
we um we we wanted to take him shopping so um one of the days we were, went to his house and we wanted to pick him up and take him shopping get him clothing shoes and different things and but it had been raining so we we had to uh top, park at the top of the hill and then walk down to his um home and i wouldn't be surprised if it was at least half a mile down to his his home going downhill so we get there and and daniel's you know doesn't have much energy he he battles this in the middle of the night and he's in he's in pain and um this goiter is or this mass cancerous tumor whatever it is i mean it's it's splitting the skin and and blood is is flowing out at times i mean it's just it's a lot for this guy this little guy so we get down to his house and and i tell him hey you're gonna ride on my back and so i pick him up and put him on my back and we hike up to the car and and take a couple breaks along the way because it's <laughs> quite the hike but we we got to the car and we we took him shopping and um i've got pictures of daniel on the facebook page if people want to see it they'll see his see his neck but they'll see the the day we took him shopping and the smile on his face is just you can't there's nothing better in this world than seeing that Brother so Hank, um how old yes. is daniel daniel's 11 years old if you just been, go ahead i say he's been suffering with this for two years can we stop right now and pray for him? Amen. And then Please. I want you to continue. Mark where you're at. But uh, folks, if you're just joining us, we're live here with Evangelist Hank Groover. He's a prayer walker. He's picked up the torch of Henry Groover, our friend, and he's continuing this work worldwide. You know, brother, uh, when the parents took Daniel over there, out of mm-hmm. ignorance, they didn't understand. That's just the culture. No. They do it over here. They have They call them shamans. Yes. Um, what they did is they brought a curse on the family and that boy and that thing needs yes. to be broken right now you Amen. want to come in agreement and let's do it in the name Amen. of Jesus we've got authority right now Father Yahovah in Jesus Christ's name we lift up Daniel to you right now Father God and we remit the sins of the parents mm-hmm. that took him to a witch doctor Instead of taking him to you, we ask that you forgive that sin in the mighty name of Jesus. We stand in the gap for Daniel right now, God. It's not his fault. But we ask that you forgive the sin that opened the door for this demonic attack, and we close that door right now of witchcraft in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ's name, we break that witchcraft curse off him right now. We loose Daniel in his neck in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We send that back to the demons that brought it, and we loose Mm -hmm. the judgments of God on that witchcraft operator. And we ask God Mm -hmm. that you would pour out your goodness, mercy, and grace and forgive that witch of their sins. Yes, Lord. God, and save them if possible in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. But every curse they put on him, let it be reversed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We rebuke the spirit of death, destruction, Every spirit of infirmity, every word curse put on him, we break it in Jesus Christ's name. Every attack of the enemy that came in when they spit on him and put him in that circle and did that witchcraft ceremony, we cancel its power right now in Jesus' name and break it off of Daniel in Jesus' name. We loose him from that demonic 
bondage right now. In Jesus Christ's name, we break every hex, vex, curse, and spell, all hoodoo, voodoo, witchcraft, everything done against him. We cancel and break its power in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and loose him from that tumor or gourd or whatever it is. We curse that thing to the roots. Yes. Command it to dry up and die in the name of Jesus and loose his neck right now. We rebuke the spirits of infirmity, sickness, and disease, and death that lay waiting for him. We command them to go right now in Jesus' name. We bind the strong men in Daniel, bind every demon that got into him through that witchcraft ceremony, and we command those demons in Jesus Christ's name to come out of him right now and mm-hmm. loose him Yes. and take that tumor with you, take any cancer mm-hmm. with you, any rebellious cell growth. We command it to go in Jesus Christ's name. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over Daniel's neck right now. And I agree with Brother Hank. We speak to Daniel's neck right now and say, be healed, Daniel, and be made whole. Father God, you sent your word and you healed them. Send your word right now. Because apart from Mm -hmm. you, we can't do anything. But we're standing in faith, God. You said whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. Mm -hmm. We loose Daniel from that witchcraft right now and that goiter, that tumor, that cancer, whatever it is. Command it to go. And we say to you, Daniel, be healed and made whole. In Jesus yes, Christ's Father. name. Also, God, loose warrior angels to stand guard of him for his protection. And we bind up and rebuke any spirit of backlash, retaliation, revenge, retribution, hindrance, or delay that would come against Brother Hank or anybody who's prayed for Daniel or ministered to him or Daniel and his family himself. In Jesus' name, every curse pronounced over him be broken, every evil word spoken over him, we break its power and we command any spirit that came in from that shaman to come out of him in Jesus' name. And we loose the judgments of God and the fear of the Lord on that shaman's familiar spirits. We loose the angels of God to go right now to Guatemala, pull swords and begin Mm -hmm. to attack. Every wicked spirit operating through that witchcraft operator. But God, as you said, whatever sin we remit is remitted unto them. Forgive them and Bless and save them in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen. I just want to make one comment, brother. That dream that you shared as we're getting started tonight earlier, that's Mm -hmm. a powerful dream. That was no pizza dream. No, sir. (laughs) That was Jesus speaking to you about the importance of remitting sins. I had never heard that before until your dad came on this program. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten. Uh, I, I I wasn't aware that um, Brother Norman Parrish talked about it, but I remember that interview. I happened to be in Costa Rica at the time. He was in Guatemala, and I'd been trying to get Brother Norman Parrish on for some while, but he was very busy, just like your dad. Yes. If we could get your dad on once a year, I mean, I was blessed. If you got two years, it was Christmas time because <laughs> he, he's always working for the Lord yes. somewhere. And um Norman Parrish, though, just a, just something quick, and then I'll give it back to you. Mm-hmm. I heard about him through the ministry of uh, Wynn Worley in Hegwish Baptist Church. Because okay. back in the 70s, at least the 70s, maybe from the 60s, I don't know when Norman originally went down there. He, at that time, was coming into Hegwish, 70s and 80s, and uh, they would support his missionary work. And he spoke a number of times up there at uh, HBC. And... Yeah. Uh, I heard some of his uh, programs and found out uh, when Worley's programs, heard him talking about Norman Parrish and sharing some of the amazing uh, adventures that he was on down there and uh, how he was encountering witchcraft and 
One time he went into a place and there was like 12 or 13 witch doctors and they began to spin around and blow smoke and he turned green and almost died. And uh, mm. I, I was not aware of that level of spiritual warfare until I began to hear these testimonies and I became a believer that there's some hardcore <laughs> stuff that you got to battle in these countries. And uh, Brother, you, you, that is so funny you say that because after I listened to that show... I, I said to myself, if I would have heard that before the f- the first time I went to Guatemala, I probably would have would not have gone. <laughs> he was. It's so intense. He was really a pioneer, uh, Norman Parrish, and he went over there and lived there for like forty years. I mean, he yeah. just he became uh, Guatemalan basically. He uh, Spanish became his language, and sometimes he'd have yes. to stop and try to remember English. He'd been over there so long. <laughs> but I, I heard he had established maybe 150 churches, and he's got to have a network that still exists today. He adopted a son, mm. and I will try to track down his information and put you in touch with him. And I think he may be in, based in Texas now, oh, but wow. I know he works a little bit with Lake Hamilton Bible Camp and has spoken over there. Um, but I will say this. Um, I called Brother Norman Parrish one time. I was in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. He was in Guatemala, and I called him and got through to him, and we had a great conversation, and he said something very interesting. He said, I'm casting out more demons today over a text message than I do in person. I said, what do you mean? He says, you don't believe what? the request I get for deliverance around the world. And he said, we got authority even over a text. Really? He said, sometimes all I can do is text somebody from over in Guatemala and I'll command in the name of Jesus for that demon to come out. People are getting deliverance on the other side of the globe, and it blew oh, my mind. Wow! This guy was an amazing man, and he said, uh, "There's definitely strongholds down here. We've had to fight backlash, but he never quit. And uh, he was truly a, a man of God, a, uh, a mighty man. And uh, there's no question about it that God is uh, putting you on that path to connect you, probably." with some of the network down there so you can continue this work, my friend. Amen. Because uh, God's not done with Guatemala. If you're just joining us, we're live with Hank Groover, the prayer walker, and um, the remitting of sins. Can you elaborate a little bit and then jump back into your story on Daniel? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no, that that is just fine. So, um, Daniel, we, we went and took him shopping and it was just really glorious i sent you some pictures of um of him and and whatnot but we we visited him i think three times that trip and i was only in country for like nine days in that area but um just such a precious kid and and we are believing god is going to do that miracle and it's just gonna just be awesome awesome to see so we we're continuing to believe and pray for him and um please if he the holy spirit brings daniel to your your mind please pray for him i believe it's in motion right now because where two or three are gathered jesus is in the midst yes and jesus sent his word and he healed them we've got the power and authority in jesus name to break witchcraft internationally yes in the name Amen. of Jesus Christ. Not by our power, might, but in the name of Jesus. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. We can loose Daniel from that witchcraft in Jesus' name. Folks, you continue yes. to lift up Daniel. I'm believing you're going to hear a praise report, and that thing yes. has gone down. <laughs> because no question about it, my brother, 
uh, God has shown you directly what the culture uh, is brought up in. When you get sick, you go to the, the shaman over here in Bali. Yeah. They do the same thing. They go down to the Hindu temple and a shaman prays for you. So and uh, and your end result will probably be death if someone doesn't intervene. Because yes. Satan doesn't cast out Satan. He'll take away one thing <laughs> give you something worse. And yeah, these great. demons kill, steal, and destroy. That's what they wanted to do to Daniel. But God, and God has shown you that these people are going to get deliverance through remitting of their sins. I really believe that. That That is exactly correct. So being over there praying with him, the enemy wants to come in and tell and plant seeds of, you should be angry about this. God is not good. You should be um, angry at the people that did this, and you really have to fight that. But I began to remit that that witch doctor sins. I began to remit the parent sins like you did when you prayed, Shannon. And that's the only relief you can get. Otherwise, yeah, your mind will go crazy. You're like, how can an 11-year-old boy suffer like this? Why? Why? And all the, the questions are just why, why, why? But as you remit those sins, you send them to the Father. That's what it means. The word remit means to send, to release, to absolve. And um, we remit payment to the utility company. We, we send it to the utility company. When you remit sins, you're sending it to the Father. He is the only one that can handle that. And, and like I said, I had to do that with not only Daniel, but his parents, and then that witch doctor, and, and whoever else around him that was bringing that sin right there into the, the precious child's life. Um, but if you do not do that, you will retain it, and you the enemy will get a foothold and just devour you, absolutely devour you. So, it's so important to claim that. And then you have to have the mindset that God is good. No matter what, God is good. And that was the revelation. Look, God is going to heal Daniel. And I, I've always struggled with if somebody dies, yeah, they get their healing in heaven. But this trip, it just got open my eyes. And look, Daniel will get his healing. Yes. God is good. God is faithful seconds. no matter what. God is faithful all the time. If you can truly believe that, you will walk in victory. But if you don't believe it, if you're like, ah, well, Daniel passed away and God didn't heal him then the enemy will come in and just plant more seeds of bitterness. But I truly came to the place of, look, God is good no matter what. Lord, this is in your hands. I cannot carry this. I cannot do anything to to help this child except through seconds. you. So, Folks, if we you must remember, <laughs> yes. are hearing that announcement, that means uh, uh, we're going into the second hour on Blog Talk Radio. So just sit tight there. Brother Hank, do you have time to extend one more hour? This is too important to stop right now. <laughs> yeah, if, if okay. um, everything's okay, there's not I've, someone else coming on board. I've got them uh, going on at 10, so we got one more hour. Um, we're live okay. with Hank Groover. And by the way, um, uh, Brother um, Norman's son's name, thank you, Nella, Nelly in the chat room. That's right, Brother Dario Parrish. I'll get Dario his contact Parrish. info. Dario, D-A-R-I-O. Also... There is uh, Evangelist Adriana Salazar in the audience. I just saw her, and I was re- reminded that um, she also seconds. has contacts in Guatemala. Oh, wow. 
Now, she's family to me, and I want to put you in contact with her, too. And there's also another girl that I need to connect you with named Tiffany Adami. If I haven't already done that, I'm trying to remember, uh, Tiffany has some contacts in Guatemala and Belize, and she asked if I could connect her with you because she knows of your ministry. So oh, wow. I believe God's going to give you some more contacts down there. Um, Brother Hank is going into the mission fields of Guatemala and doing a mighty work for Jesus down there. You know, Brother, um, people say, well, is it fair that you know Daniel was stricken or thing, bad things happen to people? Um, as a result of sins of the parents. It's not fair uh, what the, uh, it's not fair that the church has not uh, preached more on the fact that sin carries a penalty. It says the soul that sinned yeah. must die. But the good news is there's also a remedy and it's called uh, the breaking of curses, the remitting of sins, the deliverance that can come forth. Um, I think it's Deuteronomy Brother Hank, 27 or 28, it talks about, if you do this, I'll bless you. If you do this, I curse you. Yes. But people think that was done away with. No. Uh, God the same yesterday, today, and forever. I mean, Ten Commandments are still in effect. And there's verses that say if uh, you engage in witchcraft, which is an abomination of God, God will visit the iniquities of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those that yes. hate him. If you have a child outside of marriage, okay, conceive a child, that's called the curse of the bastard. That can think and run ten generations, oh. and uh, the good news is that because Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, rose again, Galatians three thirteen, he became a curse on the tree. We have a building now for an antidote. We confess that sin, ask the Lord to forgive us. Then, in the name of Jesus, we apply the blood. We can lift that curse in Jesus' name. The sad part is we're not teaching it by and large. That's why the That's ministry right. that you're doing is so important. Case in point, I'm raised in the church, brother. Both mm -hmm. my grandfather's Church of God pastors. One just passed away, uh, my last grandfather, uh, a month ago. He was 90 years old. Started wow. in the ministry in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And um, I was raised in the church, but I can tell you, I never heard anything about what we're talking about tonight, the remitting of sins. Wow. Deliverance. They believe that was just something for the poor Haitians or... If you lived over yes. in Africa, maybe maybe you brought up in voodoo, you might need deliverance. But the fact of it is we all need deliverance. We've all opened doors to sin, or our ancestors have, in all likelihood. And I found myself shackled with a generational curse. And I won't give the whole story again, but needless to say, I sought the Lord on it, and the Lord spoke to me in a dream. It had never happened before. Mm -hmm. And he said, you and your brother Damon have a generational curse you need to break. And I was like, whoa. My brother calls me two days later. He says, man, I got this book. You got to read it. I said, well, let me tell you about the dream too. I said, what's the book? He said, uh, The Blessing of the Curse You Choose by Derek Prince. And I said, whoa. Well, then that's a confirmation. Let me tell you what the Lord just showed me. We got a curse we need to break. And then he tells me my half-brother in Jacksonville, Florida, had been pressed down on his bed by a demon. He said he was literally paralyzed and saw this black figure. Yep. Pressing him down, and all he could do was say, Jesus. He said it multiple <laughs> times. The demon got off, released him, ran out of the condominium that he lived in, and slammed the door behind it. Ooh. I thought that was an interesting detail. You know, at least it closed the door. Mm. So <laughs> and he was so traumatized, he was had sought out some deliverance and found this workshop on breaking generational curses. So God was 
talking to us all and what had transpired and we didn't know at the time was there had been a generational curse that we were being affected by that had been brought in through sins of my great grandfather on my dead side who had gotten involved in Freemasonry had an adulterous affair ended in divorce and uh, no one ever repented of the worship of idols which is what you do in Freemasonry they worship Ahura Mazda at the top uh, many people believe it's the same demon that came up against Daniel the aka the prince of Persia and so it manifested in that that great grandfather dies prematurely at 57, uh, 52 and years later I contacted the Freemason Lodge in Georgia where I knew he would have been a member and lo and behold they wrote me back and confirmed that my great grandfather just three years before his death had become a third degree Mason and I said there it is it wasn't just a family rumor he actually was uh, I figure he never repented or if he did he never broke the curse because my grandfather would die at 58 my father would die a year later after I had this dream and I tried to warn him and we just never hooked up he dies of cancer the same familiar spirits are now coming after my brothers and I. And it already began to manifest in our lives. We were having uh, we were having depression and mood swings. I thought maybe I needed psychotropic drugs. I didn't know what the heck to do. I cried out to the Lord, and that's when the Lord spoke to me. You and your brother Damon have a generational curse you need to break. And the Bible backs this up, and the way you break it is through remitting the sin, asking the Lord to forgive my family members that did this thing, repenting of any sins we've committed as a result, breaking that curse in Jesus' name, commanded demons to come out, loose healing if there's any healing that needs to be done to the, the body tissue that may have been damaged or the mind. No one had ever done that, though, is, the, is my point as I wrap up my micro-sermon. Brother Hank, no one had ever known to do it. And because no one did it and applied the payment for that sin that will result in premature death, if we repent it, we can be forgiven. But if nobody repents and no change. The demons have a legal right to kill, steal, and destroy. They take three generations of my family out. They're ready to take me and my brother next out in a body bag. And God mm. heard our cry and told us what we need to do. Now it was our obligation to do it. We broke these things with a 10-minute prayer. My brother calls me back and says, let's do a conference call. We'll get the four of us on the phone. I had another brother too, half-brother. So we just all went through this recorded prayer from the late Derek Prince in faith, stood on the word, broke that curse, and that started our deliverance. That was in 2005. Never That's heard God. about this in church. No one had ever done it before. It didn't take long to do, but because it was never done, that thing was still in motion. And many times these familiar spirits that are invited into the family try to get subsequent generations to do the same sin and start that clock over again for another three to four mm -hmm. generations and that's how these things can perpetuate for eons mm -hmm. so we took action broke the curse of death off of our family due to witchcraft and the worship of idols and all the ceremonies that they do in the lodge uh, not unlike uh, the ceremonies these witchcraft operators are doing over poor Daniel and right then and there it was stopped the death clock yeah now, it could have been done by my father, but he didn't know to do it. My grandfather didn't know. My great-grandfather, 
took him out from bet from all I can ascertain. He may be in hell tonight. It's a terrible thing to say, but if he didn't mm. repent, that took him right into hell. The point is, yeah. devils want to take us all to, to hell. Somebody's got to stand in the gap. Will it Amen. be you and I, or will we not do what we we can do, and it, now it passes on to our kids and keeps going down the line? This information is so vital. No question about it. God has reminded you again that a key to the victory in Guatemala is the remitting of the sins because these people down there, not unlike other places too, we've all been bringing curses on our families and on our countries, inviting the demons of destruction to come in in our families, and it's like wholesale slaughter. People are getting hit, don't know what hit them. People are dying left and right, and it's it's yeah. they died for a lack of knowledge. Mm. And nobody took action and if I hadn't taken action my brothers and I we would probably have been dead next and then it would hopefully my kids would have uh, found out some way to do it and broke it before they were taken out too but this is the reality here folks we're in a spiritual battle and there are consequences for sin the good news is Jesus Christ made a way at the cross absolutely we can remit these sins and I want to say one more thing I'll never forget your dad sharing the testimony of probably one of the greatest uh, feats I've ever heard. Definitely, mm-hmm. it made Satan cry, I'm sure, is when mm-hmm. he goes over and God used your dead to win the top, one of the top warlocks in Great Britain to Jesus before mm-hmm. he died. Yes. I'm talking about a, a real witch that actually took him, mm-hmm. according to the story, I remember, and showed him high places and altars and places where there were human sacrifice being done across the UK. Yes. And to see a guy like that plucked out of the hands of Satan, who Satan had planned to use and then take to hell, and win him for Jesus would never have happened if your dead had not remitted his sins. So as evil as this shaman witch doctor is that did this evil deed to Daniel, you know what? Uh, There'd be no greater coup then for you to stand in the gap and that person be one to Christ and now they still have to make a decision we can't force anybody to come to Christ but they just might because I'm here to tell you I don't think there's anybody else praying for that warlock they don't have a hope exactly right but God can have you and those tuning in out there to pray for them that God will do whatever it takes give them a road to Damascus experience whatever it takes and uh, we just bind the strong man of that shaman right now and ask God that you pour out your goodness, mercy, and grace in them. Save them at all cost. We can loosen to them in a spirit of adoption, salvation, in Jesus Christ. God, save that shaman for the glory of God. Folks, there's no greater coup than to stand the gap and overlook someone's faults and see their needs like Jesus who said, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. Stephen, looking into heaven, Brother Hank, as Paul was mm-hmm. holding the cloak of those that were going to about to stone him to death and hit him over the head with a rock, kill him shortly. Yes. And he looked up, saw Jesus standing at the gates of heaven, the portals of glory, and was able to say, Lord, forgive them. I forgive them. And you're dead so many times in a life or death battle with, with a knife to his throat or someone getting ready to charge him I think he was at a, a, a Muslim meeting or Indian meeting, 
and someone was going to come up there and try to kill him on the stage or your dad would walk into a place and seconds later there would be a bomb detonated and God would protect him behind a uh, yeah uh, a, a pylon or he's on that international flight and one minute six Muslim men are getting ready to knife him in midair because he offended Allah <laughs> and before it's over with he remitted the sins I think they're all on their knees receiving Jesus Christ Lord and Savior I mean yeah that was um, I think in the cave in the Middle East brother I kept hearing this same thread he's doing the same thing he's remitting their sins amen even in the midst of you may imminent death Lord forgive them folks that's the ultimate right there and if we're able and willing to do that we can see literal prizes of Satan stolen out of his hand and convert and go to work for Jesus you're listening to Hank Groover uh, we got another 45 minutes go for it my brother praise God yes um, it's so important that we don't retain this and I can't stress it enough it's we retain it it will kill us and um, my dad that Warlock, that high, the highest, one of the highest warlocks in all of England, if not Europe, that came to Jesus. Um, I think his name was Richard. I could be wrong. His his wife's name um, was I want to say Ruth, but I don't think it was Ruth. Either way, um, she was a breeder, so she had babies that they sacrificed. When he, when that man came to Jesus. I was just listening to this on one of my dad's sermons, and it might have been about remitting sins and prayer walking. But he said when he was listening to that man, that high priest, that warlock, repent and and just confessing his sins. I mean, he, my dad said it took everything in him not to just want to strangle the guy because the atrocities that he, he was talking about. He, my dad said he had to remit those sins. He had to continue to remit those sins. If you're not remitting them, you're retaining them. And he can't retain that. We're not built to retain that type of sin. Um, so, he has. it's so important. This is a must. And it's not talked about. It's not preached about. There's, you know, you just don't know where it's taking place, where people are, are learning about it. And my dad walked remitting sins for, I would say, 60 years of his life because he died when he was 77, and he started when he was 17. God started showing him these principles when he was 17. So, 60 years of it, like I said earlier, you could not convince him otherwise, and there was no need to even try. He had experienced so many miracles from remitting sins. It just, it, it, it was tried and true with him. And so, um, I'm I'm excited that God is is starting to show me this in my walk with Him, how important it is, and and that it works. So I shared that dream with you. That was February second. So we get to Guatemala, and um, we we visit Daniel maybe the second day there, and then I I, I learn a little bit more about what's happening to Daniel about. Um, his his parents took him to that um, witch doctor, and and so Pastor Juan is saying, "Hey, if you want to hike 
up to Daniel's house. I think I can get you, I think I know where this witch doctor lives. But this is a, a very big hike. Um, it's from the bottom of the mountain to the top of it, essentially. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. So a few days later, we we started to hike and we started in the, the city of San Juan, which is um, a city of like 5,000 people. And I, I've shared this in the previous shows that this small city has like 50 cantinas, so 50 bars, and these are just shacks. But they sell alcohol and people are drunk all hours of the day. Um, they're passed out literally in the gutter. And the Guatemalan gutter is um, like a V-shaped concrete gutter on the side of the road. And they're about a foot to 18 inches deep and they're, they're shaped as a V. And, and people are passed out in the gutter every day, all hours of the day in that city. It's horrible to see. And so we start at the base of the mountain and we start hiking up this mountain and it is crazy. So we, we, we start going and um, in Guatemala, when you're the only gringo, everybody stares at you. <laughs> All the drunk people stop you and, and want to talk to you. Hey, I've been to America. Hey, you got some dinero. <laughs> and so they just always flock to you. Um, I praise God that I don't feel threatened. Um, and this trip, I mean, it's happened every single trip, but this trip, the Holy Spirit, believe, was saying, you know, just like um, Peter told the the beggar at the gate in the book of Acts, I think it's in the third or fourth chapter, either way, um, you know, they're walking by this beggar and he's, 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 he's pleading to them, hey, hey, what do you, can you help me? Can you help me? And, and. So Peter, I think it is, looks intently at him, and the beggar's like, oh, yes, I'm going to get something. I'm going to get some money. And Peter says, silver and gold I have none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And, you know, that lame man rises up and walks. And and so these these drunk people come to me, and and this theme was silver and gold I don't have, which is not lying. Now, if I said money I don't have, <laughs> I'd be kind of lying because I'm carrying money on me. But I say silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you freely in the name of Jesus. Be set free from this alcohol, from these demons that are destroying your life. And so, um, that's that's what I began to pray and, and, and speak to people, speak to them in English. Some of it was translated, but not much. So we are, we're hiking up this mountain and, and people are passing us and looking at the weird gringo that's hiking up their, their trails. And I mean, there's literally like, I don't know, maybe one or two other gringos in all of these villages, maybe, Maybe, and that's could be a overstatement. So, um, we get just maybe a couple hundred yards up the trail, and there's this man that is sitting on the side of the road, and he has a black eye. He has barely any clothes. I mean, his clothes are just tattered and torn. And, you know, we stop and talk to him. 
and we find out, you know, what happened to your eye? Oh, I was got in a fight. I was drunk and um, somebody hit me. And this guy's, I mean, he's he's got to be in his 50s, if not 60s, so an older gentleman. And so I'm just standing there praying for this man. And I'm remitting his sins. But Hector, with me, he's just going after this, not going after this guy, but he's talking to this guy. And when Hector witnesses to people, he asks them, why are you doing this? Why do you keep drinking? You see what happened to you? You got beat up. Why are you doing this? And he he keeps asking the question, why? <laughs> and as he's doing this, he, he's, he's going on for, I don't know, at least five minutes. And the Holy Spirit said, no, remit his sins, remit his sins. So, brother, I, I start remitting his sins and I'm just, and, and I'm speaking it kind of un, under my breath, but I'm speaking in my mind also, Lord Jesus, I remit this man's sins. I do not hold them. I do not retain them. I remit the sin of alcoholism. I remit the sins as far back as needs be to the first thir- thought, word, deed, act, gesture. Wherever this started, Lord, the root, I remit those sins. I sever that root of alcoholism. Lord Jesus, I ask that you pour out your goodness upon him. So, when I was traveling with my dad in, in Japan in my early 20s, um, I listened to him preach about remitting sins quite often. And I came up with the remit road. I didn't come up with it, but that's kind of was something that came to my mind. I called it the remit road instead of the Romans road. And I think we talked about this in previous podcasts. But um, so the remit road, and I, I wish I would have shared this with my dad because people need it simplified. And the remit road would be first John twenty twenty three. Whosoever sins remit, they're remitted unto the unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they're retained. So the first part of it is John twenty twenty three, remitting the sins. The second part is Romans two four. Ask that the Lord will pour out His goodness upon that person. So it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. So I'm praying for this man, remitting his sins. Lord Jesus, pour out Your goodness upon him. Your goodness that leads to repentance, pour it out, out upon this man. All he receives is condemnation. And Hector had been talking with him and just asking him the questions, why, why, and that's all these people get. People that are drunk in the gutter, that's all that anybody does. Why? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And I've done it. I've done it many a times. But they don't need that. That's not going to do anything for them. They they have that they have so much condemnation on them. And I love when my dad asked the Holy Spirit, you know, what what happens when I remit sins? And um the Holy Spirit spoke to him and, and said something along the lines of, when you remit people's sins, I lift the heavy load of condemnation off of them, and I give them a, a space, a time for repentance. And so, I'm remitting this man's sins, and Hector is kind of asking, why are you doing this? Don't you want Jesus or this and that? And finally, after what seemed probably over five minutes, Hector said, you, you know, do you want to say anything to him? Like, yeah, yeah. So I just gave him a simple gospel message after I had remitted his sins. I just told him, hey, Jesus loves you. He wants to set you free. Do you want Jesus to set you free? And the man says, yes. (laughs) And we prayed the sinner's prayer with him right there on that side of that road. And I, I just, you know, was such joy, but at the same time, tears of joy. 
like this is this works god this works this actually you know not that it actually works it, it works if we will do it and so i was able to not only you know lead this guy to christ but also tell hector and and pastor juan like guys i've been remitting his sins this whole time did you get anywhere with your um with your gospel presentation with your witnessing to him did you get anywhere no not really but guys they don't need to hear the condemnation they don't need to hear the questions why you just gotta remit their sins pray for them pray that god will lift that heavy load so the remit road is first john twenty twenty three. remit the sins the second one is romans 2 4 um, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. So you pray the goodness of God upon them. And then the third uh, step is pray to the Lord of the harvest. And that is um, in, hold on a moment, um, ask for the Lord of harvest. The harvest is plentiful, um, but the laborers are few. So hold on just a minute. Uh, the, I had this earlier. But I okay. So um, Matthew nine thirty eight. Therefore, prayed the Lord of the heart to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. And then Luke ten two. Then He said to them, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray that the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. So that's the third step of the remit road. Um, you ask God to send his laborers into his harvest. So that with that man, Lord Jesus, please send your laborers. If if I am to preach the gospel to this person or lead him to Christ, so be it. I am willing. I am so willing, Lord Jesus. And that's exactly what happened. It was it was just like those steps. It just happened and it flowed so freely. It was so amazing. Um, before I went on the trip, I was here in my office, and um, I, I'm renting a storage unit because we're moving some stuff around and, and selling some buildings and different things. So the the storage unit I had to rent was from a fellow business owner here in Logan, and he came into my office, and um, we started talking politics when I was getting ready to pay him. And he's a staunch Democrat. I mean, just far left as they, they come. And he is just going off on Trump people and, oh, you're one of those Trump Trumpers, aren't you? Or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I, I definitely support Trump. And, and he just goes off. I mean, he is extremely vulgar. He's cursing. He's... It, this this man gives my wife creeps when he's around. I mean, she she knows something about him is not right, and so he's in my office and and I'm starting to get riled up. My my blood's pumping. My my, you know, I'm I'm ready to go on attack mode and say, who do you think you are? What do you what do you think so great about your president and this and and you know the flesh is just rising up, but. The Holy Spirit was saying, no, remit his sins. Remit his sins. You can't retain these. And that was the perfect example. So this was right before Guatemala. Like, Lord, you're right. I cannot retain these. My heart is racing. I want to pounce on this guy. I want to physically destroy him. 
And um, so I began to remit his sins, Lord Jesus, this man needs you. I remit those sins. I do not retain them. Father, pour out your goodness upon him. Oh, pour out your goodness that leads to repentance. He needs you, Lord Jesus. Send the laborers into your, har- your harvest, your harvest. And when I started doing that, my heart slowed down. I wasn't shaking. <laughs> and I was able to just converse with him. And his, his tone changed too. It was amazing. I mean, he he stopped getting so riled up. He, he didn't say, what are you doing? And he didn't come to Christ right there. But I noticed a visible change. So, you know, we, we think this remitting sins is only for the, the, the mission field or the extreme situations. This is for everybody everywhere. This is for you with your family members. If you have children that are just falling away from God or, or you don't have a good relationship, but every now and then you talk to them, remit their sins while you are talking with them. Remit their sins. Watch what God will do. He will change their heart. He'll begin to soften their heart. And it will change your heart dramatically too. You won't be retaining the sin and and, and just... It consumes you at that point. So, give it to God. Remit it. Send it back. Um, There's a great, um, in the Webster's 1913 Dictionary, looking up the word remit, it's really powerful to, um, to share that. So, let me, let me find that real quick. There's a um, app for the 1913 Dictionary on on your phone. It's really good. Um, remit. Here we go. Remit. So, um, so the synonyms of remit are to relax, release, abate, relinquish, forgive, pardon, absolve. <laughs> so, if we're not remitting, we're not going to be relaxed at all. We're going to be tense. We're not going to feel a release. We're going to feel um, stuck or in bondage. Abate, I'd have to look up that word, but an abatement is, I don't know, getting rid of bad stuff, I think. Forgiving, of course, pardoning, absolving. So, um, the actual definition of the 1913 dictionary is to send back, to give up, to surrender, to resign. Um, There's there's no, no better thing to do, to send back to give up. If you're not remitting, you're retaining. And to retain, oh, it will just absolutely destroy you. So, we're we're hiking up this mountain, and like I said, 15, 20 minutes into the hike, wow, we lead this man to Christ after remitting his sins. So powerful. Just so powerful. So, we, we continued on our trek, and we hiked all the way to the top of this mountain. It took us I don't know, at that point, easily an hour and a half, I think, to get to Daniel's house. And um, when we got up to Daniel's house, we didn't know which house it was that the witch doctor had had done that stuff to him. But it turns out we did pass it, and it was right off the road. Um, when we got up to Daniel's house, we began to talk to him, and, and they, they pointed the house. So... Um, I wanted to make it back there and pray, but I didn't have the chance. Another interesting thing was um, when we were walking up that mountain, that that trail, Pastor Juan had said that there was a cave near there, 
that he didn't know where the cave was at, but he knew really bad things were happening in that cave. Um, they found he was in it as a young boy and there was a lot of human bones in the cave. So really, really horrible things were happening in that cave. We didn't find it or feel the release to, um, seek someone out and find it and walk and pray it. But, um, I, I confirmed that with another man that actually lives right down the road from that, that cave. Um, he actually lives at the base of the mountain where we began to hike up and he's a good friend that speaks English. Um, Mario is his name. And I asked him about it a few days later. I'm like, Hey, have you heard about a cave up here? He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know where that cave is at? He's like, yes. So I, I said, you know, next time I come back, if, if God's willing, I'd like to go to that cave and walk and pray it. So, um, if you remember the the first time I spoke with you about the January trip last year, we went inside a cave that um, the young church boys had found a human head in it a few months back. Right. Do you yes. remember? Yes. So that was a different cave, but that was near the church. I asked Pastor Juan, I said, you know, what have you what have you seen or heard about the cave? And and he said, I went up there exploring like three or four months ago to just kind of see. And um, praise God, this is the report he gave me. He said, I didn't see any new activity, and I saw brush and different things kind of growing there. And um, so he said, I, I, I do not believe anybody has been in here to do anything like that. I'm like, praise God. God. And the other crazy thing was they, they saw this vehicle parked on the road, and this man is um, a local business owner of a hardware store. And they saw him go up to that cave at least twice a month before we walked and prayed that cave. And I asked him, like, have you seen his vehicle? Have you seen him going up there? He's like, I have not seen that happen. Praise God. So it works. Walking and praying works. It is so powerful what it will do. It'll sever the communication with the enemy. So when those people go to those spots, they go there because of power. They go there because things have happened there, blood has been shed, and the devil can manifest himself there. Demons can easier. And um, praise God. Nobody in that cave near the church. So um, we're believing that God's going to lead us to more caves and and take back more ground for the kingdom of God. So we we get up to Daniel's house and we act. I um, right before we went on this trip, uh, my wife and I were shopping and we went to a Target and they had um, nice winter coats deeply discounted for like 10 to $13. So we, we bought a, a bunch of children's coats and a few adults coats. And, and I, I brought those with my luggage this time. And, and so I was able to give Daniel a, a nice coat and some socks and different things. So we hiked up, up to his place that day and, um, gave him the, the coat and a little Bible and flashlight to his little brother and sister. And, 
and the smile on his face was just so beautiful, so beautiful to witness and see. And like I said, we, we, we talked with his family a little bit more, got a few more details. Um, Pastor Juan has been very specific with them, telling them, you cannot go to these people anymore. Do you understand that you have to go to Jesus? Call me. I will help you. I will do whatever I can. And and. I, I believe he got through to them, praise God, because they were repenting with tears and, and just on their knees before God um, when we were praying with them and and asking God for forgiveness. So, that is key that um, we, we, we saw that repentance in them, and, and Lord willing, they will turn from, from that. Um, so, after we were done with Daniel's house that day— we're going to uh, hike back to the church. And after all said and done, we we hiked for, I want to say, six hours or just shy of six hours through the mountains. And um, I, I think we took close to 20,000 steps, and that's going up the mountains and everything. Um, I don't know how many miles it was, but it was a lot of miles that we trekked, but Pastor Juan wanted to take us to another spot where some crazy demonic activity had happened. And this had happened back in, I want to say, July of last year. So, after um, Miguel, the witch doctor, um, got saved and just... The, the amazing things that happened last June when I was there. Um, Pastor Juan got a, a phone call from a family, and they told him that their daughter was missing. Will they please help us find our daughter? And this, like like you said with Norman Parrish, there are some crazy things happening in Guatemala. I mean crazy things. So, if you recall the testimony about the second cave we walked and prayed in, there's a big hole in the ground. It's not a, a small opening in the side of a mountain, but it's a big hole in the ground. I picked up a glass bottle, and I threw it out in front of me at least 30 feet, and then I counted 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, 1,000. And what I heard was, tink, 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 tink. <laughs> wow. It didn't break. <laughs> it just fell to the bottom of this cave and it did not break and it, and it hit rocks it didn't hit dirt <laughs> is that the one where so, it's at such an angle that uh people would literally have to fly down yes. there to get in okay yes that's the one where they told me if you have strong powers you just fly in and out otherwise they tie a rope to a tree branch <laughs> okay so this is pretty intense but um i i saw the pictures with my own eyes of all the events leading up to it. So this family calls Pastor Juan. Our daughter's missing. Will you please help us find her? And this family lives at least 15 miles from the church and the cave that I'm talking about. Pastor Juan goes to their house, finds out that their daughter, same thing. They took their daughter to a witch doctor, had some ceremony done, and now weird things have been happening. Their daughter just is missing. So, he is driving all over the place. He's calling me. He's like, brother, this is getting really intense. Please pray pray with me. Um, so, I, I was on a job site, but I was praying with him and, and not getting a whole lot of details. So, he 
he finds the girl. He finds her at the bottom of that cave, the massive opening in the ground. They have to go down there by rope and they bring this girl up. They're asking her, how did you get in there? She is completely just out of it. It's like she doesn't know what she's, where she's at, what's happening. She finally comes to and says, basically, she was flown there. <laughs> so they find her in the bottom of this cave. They bring her out. They start praying with her, deliverance and everything else. And they're praying with her for a very long time. She says, I want to take you somewhere else where they've taken me. So this is the second area that she took them. It's deep in the mountains. It's just a crazy place. So after we are done um, at Daniel's house, Pastor Juan says, I want to take you to this other place. It's, it's a long hike, but I want to go there. I'm like, okay. So we, we start hiking to it. And we get there, and before we enter the path to this spot, um, I, I, I proclaim Psalms 24. Open up your gates, be that lifted up your everlasting doors. The King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? Is Lord of hosts, strong and mighty in battle. He is the King of glory. Open up your gates, be lifted up your everlasting doors. King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? Um, it's the... Well, the Lord of hosts is the second part of it. We're a part of his host. So, we, we quote that scripture. So, we're going in with God. The f most important step when you are walking and praying is make sure you put the armor of God on. So, before we, we go out, before we start, we are praying to God for the full armor of God. And I'll give you a testimony about what happens when you don't put the armor of God on, because that happened also this trip is really interesting. So we go to that spot, and he had been in that spot with this girl. That girl took him to this spot and said, I've been taken to this spot by demons. They've cut my hair here. Weird things are happening here. So that girl takes Pastor Juan and her parents to that spot. She is frantically, and it's a really old rock, okay? So it's this old rock, and it's misshaped, and it, it's kind of ugly, and things have been happening there for centuries. The Lopez brothers say they remember hearing about things there when they were kids 30, 40 years ago. So the, the enemy, he loves to go to these weird, ugly spots where, you know, there's um, rocks are deformed and things like that. So there's this rock, and... And she's taken there. And Pastor Juan is is with her at that spot and she starts freaking out. She says, I see the I see the devil, I see demons, I see demons, and and she is scared out of her mind. Out of her mind. At one point she is levitating off the ground. He has to hold her onto the ground. Then another point, she is running frantically out of this spot, and he has to chase her so she doesn't fall down the mountainside, and he, he basically tackles her. She, the, in that spot, she shows him a little area, and he starts digging. He's never been to this spot with her before. He hadn't been to this spot in many years. He finds a picture of this girl buried in the ground, and he finds her hair buried in the ground. Wow. This is crazy 
things that are happening. So he is walking and praying this area. He finds um, fresh charcoal, smoke, things like that. So I want to say this is back in July or August. So we are going into this spot, and and I don't, I don't know if I don't sense the enemy very strong in, in places like this. And I don't know if it's just something that God hasn't opened my eyes to or if he doesn't want me open to it because the flesh will rise up and I might fear might grip me and I, I leave. So I do not sense the devil. I don't sense I don't see things in the spiritual realm. To me it's kind of odd, but I, I know God's hand is upon it. So I'm we're walking and praying in this spot and Pastor Juan is just in awe. Because first thing that he notices, there's a ton of leaves on the ground. <laughs> so a ton of leaves mean that there's no no act, new activity. He goes to the spot where they're burning, um, you know, different things in the crevices of the rock, and he starts moving the leaves, looking for fresh charcoal and things, and he's not finding it. Brother, we scoured that whole area. We do not believe anybody has been in there since Pastor Juan was in there praying. So, the the main point that I want people to understand is it doesn't have to be the Henry Grubers of the world that go in and take these high places out. Pastor Juan is very new to this. He's very naive to spiritual warfare, but with what he's been equipped with, he was able to take out that high place. We do not believe that anybody has been in there since um, last July or August when he was in there last. <laughs> so we were rejoicing. I, I was just able to encourage him, brother, this works. You have the authority. You have the power to take these high places out. Don't do it in pride, <laughs> but do it with the Spirit of God. Go in there with the authority of God. What what you've learned from me and what I've I've learned and been able to teach you. I'm still learning things, but but we just rejoiced in that because I can't be in Guatemala all the time. I, you know, my dad couldn't be everywhere, but if people will take a hold of this and grasp onto it, God will do awesome things. He will do awesome things. So, I want to sh- finish with this testimony, and this is, brother, God does so many things in, in Guatemala that I just— you know, almost two hours have passed, and it's like I haven't even begun to to share about everything that happened. But I, I want to end with this one about the armor of God because it's so important, so important to to put on the armor of God. So um, we finally were able to walk and pray the the Mayan ruins. the The first trip I I wanted to go there, but it was closed because of COVID. And honestly, I felt that that was better because taking new people into those those high places is, is kind of dangerous. So, it was closed to COVID. Then we were going to go right on our way into Guatemala when me and Hector arrived this time. But it didn't work out because we were meeting with those missionaries. So, and then I think one other time previously, either way. Two or three trips, it, it wasn't working out. So... I really felt that we needed to be there. We needed to walk and pray that. So I, I told Pastor Juan, I'm like, what day can we we drive there? Because it's like three hours from the village. What day can we do that? Because I, I know I'm supposed to do this. And so we, we determined it would be Tuesday. And so 
to get to the Mayan ruins, you have to go past El Captain. So El Captain, uh, El Captains, El Captains. So I found out that El Captains means Captains means two. So there's two massive rocks. And if you remember the testimony from last time, we went up to El Captines and we walked and prayed. And it's at the base of this massive rock, there's just charred soot and black um, charcoal on the base of this rock, 40 feet wide, 10, 15 feet tall. They go up there, they sacrifice, they burn nonstop. But that's the one where Miguel was manifesting back in May of last year and said, why did you and that blankety-blank gringo go up to El Captain and destroy our works? <laughs> and um, so we have to drive past El Captains. Um, we're, we're driving two separate cars, and um, we're in the car behind Pastor Juan. And so they're a little bit ahead of us, and we, we come up and we, we meet them, and they stopped at El Captains. So they stopped at the, the, the smaller rock that's right off the highway. And so we went there, and we were we were walking and praying, and I found out that um, there was a murder not too far from that that rock, um, like three or four months ago, and a young girl lost her life right within like fifty yards of of El Captain's. So either way, we're, we're walking and praying, and to get around this rock. Um, it's on the side of a mountain, first off. It looks like a landfill because they just throw trash all the way on, along the bottom of this mountain or the side of this mountain. So, Pastor Juan and two other gentlemen that were with us wanted to go down on the back side of this, this rock. And to get down there, you have to hike down the mountain. It's steep and it's slippery. And um, you have to hike down there. And getting back up's not the, that easy. But Pastor Juan had seen a lot of smoke coming from the backside of that mountain, that rock, some some time ago. So he he's like, "Hey, do you, is it okay if I go down there?" I'm like, "Yeah, go down there. I don't. Um, I, I'll just let you go down there this time if that's all right." He's like, "Yeah, no problem." We failed to pray and put on the armor of God. And this is what happened next. I'm walking and praying around the top of this mountain, this rock. And all of a sudden, we look over, and all three guys are running up the mountain, running up the side of the mountain, just fear completely gripping them. Pastor Juan is out of breath, scared out of his mind. I'm like, what's going on, brother? He's like, brother, I, I got really sick down there. I was throwing up. I saw this black image, and I got really scared and sick. And one of the other guys with him said, I was hollering for, for Juan because I saw him down the mountain further. But it turns out he was right next to me and I didn't even see him. <laughs> so they are on the bottom of the – on the edge of this mountainside and they are terrified out of their minds. So they come running up. We're, we're seeing bad things happen. This is not good. And so I'm like, brother – First off, <laughs> we didn't put on the armor of God. Secondly, we don't run from the enemy. No more of that. We do not run from him. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. We take authority and we rebuke him. Will you go back down there with me? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll go down there with you. So we prayed, <laughs> put on the full armor of God, and we started going down that, that mountainside. 
we got to the spot where um, he saw that that demon, and like I said, I didn't sense anything. I didn't sense any fear. I didn't sense any um, demonic forces. Nothing. And I don't know if it it's just the spirit of God is so powerful. Because, I mean, there's times when I'll go in my basement at my, my office that's, um, you know, was built in the early or late 1800s. And, and you know, I'll fear... I'll feel a little bit afraid. <laughs> so it's not like I'm over, you know, over and above this stuff, but there's just like no fear when I'm on the mission field and and I'm doing what God's called me to do. So we get down to that spot where they they ran around ran off, you know, ran up the mountain fleeing. And he starts getting sick again. I'm like, no, in Jesus' name. So I lay my hands on his stomach and I, I rebuke that that devil and that spirit of fear and, and whatever else is around there. And I, I just pray and, and, and come against it. And he gets better again. So I'm like, praise God. So at that point, we wanted to walk all the way around this this massive rock. And um, I mean, it's slippery. It's dangerous, but it's not like we're going to plummet off the side of a cliff and... and die if we we lose our footing but it's it'd be a a long slide and a heck of a hike back all the way up but we got to the the underside the back side of this this rock and we're looking for you know a fire pit or something because he saw smoke coming up you know however long ago but we are seeing nothing just little spots where you know there there's little areas where they're sacrificing um but we get to this tree and i took a picture of it and i posted it on facebook but we get to this tree and and they shaved like part of this tree off and with an axe and i'll send you the picture but you know so they're the only thing I can think of is they're using it for um, starting a fire. But it was really odd to see that and um, not see where they're they're burning the fire or starting the fire at. So, But we, we made it all the way around, praise God, and we were able to hike around the whole um, base of this, this mountain or this rock. And I'm going to send you another picture just so you can – get a better idea but we we got to got around it and um just remitting the sins praying coming against those spirits because that's all that seems to happen there is is people are drawn to that spot they're drawn to it through the unclean spirits and the the demons and they they go and they do bad things like that murder that happened right there I'm asking the guys why why would somebody commit a murder right here? This is a uh, it's right off the str- the the main highway first off. It's a, a fairly busy road. Why would they do that right there? And like, I don't know. Because they're drawn to it. This is what the demons draw people to. They draw them to this spot because of the the blood that's been shed here, because of the the sacrifice that the enemy um has had here for for just centuries. But like I said, um, we have to put the armor of God on. If we don't have the armor of God on, we will be running from the enemy. And where is the spot that's not protected? Our backside, right? 
Right. So we do not run from the enemy. <laughs> we run at the enemy with our full armor and with the confidence that greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. So I... Well, um, this is exciting. Amen. This it's is exciting. So good. Adventures in the Lord. This is true testimony, folks, of a prayer walker. Something that the Lord has called the believers to do, to remit sins, to take the land back from the enemy. In Jesus' name. That's what you're literally doing. You're going back and taking land from demonic forces who are using that to destroy people. And if we don't do it, who's right. going to do it, folks? Don't think it was for someone else to do. This is your job in the body of Christ to fight back against the enemy. As you said, brother, yes. greater Jesus that is in us than he is in the world. We've got about four minutes remaining. Um, what an exciting two hours. We're going to get brother Hank <laughs> back on. You can count on that. Brother Hank, I'm back after about two months off. Uh, this week is my wow. first time back. Perfect timing. You, you contacted me <laughs> because I've been wanting Amen. to get you on. And um, time got away from me. I want you to look at your schedule and find your next date. And let's keep this training going. But what I want to do now is, before you close in prayer, I want you to tell people how can they reach you in the ministry and follow what you're doing. And is there any way they can support your work? Amen. Um, the The Facebook page is, is a lot of fun. Um, it just, we're able to post the pictures and and videos and it's truly like being there with us what is so, that facebook page um, how do they find you yep so look up henry groover um and it's got a picture of my dad that's on it and you'll know right away if you're at the right page because of the what we post and the pictures and different things so uh, henrygroover.com also is the website but we don't update it enough you can still get all my dad's materials on there and uh, audio versions or um, yeah um, mp3 versions where you can just easily download them on your phone or computer so um, yeah if you wanted to look at more about the ministry the the website is good but the most up-to-date things are on the the facebook page so okay so uh, uh facebook henry groover and then the website henrygroover.com yep that okay. is correct i'm gonna put a link there in the show notes folks you can go over there and you can support the ministry Do you have paypal there yeah i believe there's a, a donate spot on there with paypal awesome um, folks Lord would move on your heart support the work of brother Hank Groover he's doing an awesome job for the Lord and many more testimonies where this came from tonight because God is just getting started down there in Guatemala and um, Hallelujah. brother Hank I want to have you back on soon uh, what shall we title tonight's broadcast for the archive that Remitting let's sins? go with what do you want to call it? I'm sorry what do you want to call it tonight I would like something with remitting sins. Let's um, do it. Yeah, remitting sins in Guatemala or... Ooh. No, let's not do that. Let's just say remitting sins. Fantastic. Hey, uh, quick question. Uh, your dad said that uh, he had maybe, I don't know, it was like a 30-page or more um, detailed story on uh, his time 
working with the man in England uh, that he converted for Christ. Did you ever come across that? It's like an extended story. I have story. not yet. Um, okay. We still have a lot of things to go through, and we have not had the time quite yet. He also yet, said so. that he, has, uh, he had worked on the Prayer Walker's Diary and was going to release that yeah. at some point in the future. And f- final thing I remember him telling me is he said he used to have a box, and he would write down things on even scraps of paper, even sermons, and throw them into the box. <laughs> I need to find that box. you got to find I, the I box. I remember mentioning it. Absolutely. And um, I think he mentioned that your other brother, you had a brother who was in Africa, right? Uh, Peter has been on mission trips to Africa, yes. He okay. actually just got back from Africa right before I went to Guatemala. Is he the brother who uh, was walking on the ground and these little worms burrowed into the soles of his feet? Um, I'm not sure on that one. He was the one that was born dead. Okay. <laughs> Peter. Uh, by the way, next show, i got to hear uh, any stories you got about being in that bus that time when your dad died and went to heaven. If you remember Yeah, that. I would love to share about <laughs> the um, accident, the 1973 uh, Volkswagen uh, bus. Next time, I'm going to get that one out of Brother Hank. Uh, we're out of time. Brother <laughs> Hank, you want to close us in prayer? Yes, thank you, Heavenly Father. We thank you for this time together. We just ask that you'll seal these words, and uh, just we ask for these challenges to go forth, and the body of Christ will pick up this and and run with it, Lord Jesus. We will not flee from the enemy, but we will run at him um, in battle, and we will claim victory with the armor of God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, and we just commit these this time and these words to you, and we ask that you'll seal them in our hearts, and whatever is to be remembered, Lord, bring it to our remembrance. Whatever is to be forgotten, let it go. We thank you and give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Love you, brother. We'll see you next time, Brother Hank. God bless you. Sounds good. God bless you. Folks, stay tuned. We're going right now to Brother Joseph Ferrara, standing by, and uh, I'm dialing now. Here we go. And yes, you can remit sins. Read John 20, verse 23. Okay, let me say this. We'll be right back. 